Hi again, my name is Alex Rosa, and I'm the Family Life Pastor, and my main goal today, to give you a little spoiler, is to talk to us about how Jesus can still touch lives today, but as we were in that worship service, we know that that's true, because that worship service will preach, right? So can we give a round of applause to our worship band, the tech team? They do such an incredible job every single week. They put a ton of hours into practice and perfecting their, their art, which is really just an act of worship to God in itself. And so just I'm really appreciative of everything they do. Right now, we are in the final series, part four of four, of open-handed living. So far, we've talked about four, three things. We're going to finish with the fourth one today. We've talked about time, talent, treasure, and today, talking about touch. And the real heart behind this is that we believe if we live open-handed with the things that God has given us, if we give it back out, that we will really get to enjoy the abundant life that God has for us. Not only that, but we'll be able to partake and bring God's kingdom to earth if we simply live open-handed with our time talent, treasure, and touch. And throughout this series, there's been a question that's been going on in my head. It's been reverberating, I believe, through all of the messages. And it's a question that wakes, as we wake up, we have to face it every single day. And it's this, who or what is the Lord of my life? Who or what is the Lord of my life? Every morning we wake up, we're faced with this question, who do we serve? If you're wondering right now, who do I serve? All we have to do is look at our lives because we will always reflect who we serve. We always reflect our master. And if our master's money, we will reflect it. If our master's sports, we will reflect it. If our master is God, we will reflect him. And so who do you reflect? Who is your master and who is your Lord? Throughout this series, we've been talking about that idea of making Jesus our Lord. And it's an important thing in the faith of Jesus Christ is what the Bible tells us is part of that key to getting to know him as Lord and Savior and to getting that salvation and entering into heaven and having a relationship with God is about be making Jesus our Lord. It's why we do this series every single year. It's the only series we do that with. We talk about a generosity series with time, talent, treasure, and touch because we believe if we live open-handed, if we're generous with those four things, Jesus will become our Lord. And that is when life change happens when it's with our time, talent, treasure, and touch. I, I like having a series here at New Life that we do every year because it means as a speaker, you get to partake in something similar every year. And for me, I've gotten to talk about all of the different T's except touch. I've actually talked about time four times, weirdly enough, but I've never talked about touch. And so I was kind of excited to do that, but a little nervous as well, because I've never really considered myself a touchy person by nature. Now, my wife would disagree with me, and even when I told her that in preparation of this, she said, I don't believe you. And it's not because that week we hug all the time, which we do, but it's because whenever we were dating, or, okay, fine, we weren't technically dating yet. In my mind, we were, but it was just me pursuing her at this point, what we would do is hang out in groupings of people. We met at a summer camp. She was a counselor. I was a speaker. And so there's people that were counselors and speakers together, did bonfires and birthday parties and just events to hang out and have dinner and stuff. And so I, over the stretch of a couple months, got to see her in big groupings all the time. 
And my goal was to let her know that I liked her. But I was a little scared about this. I mean, I was in my early 20s, but I was still pretty scared about it. And I don't know why, looking back, why would that have been bad to be like, hey, I like you. But I was trying to do it in like more of a strategic way. And so whenever we were leaving those gatherings, I wanted to give her a hug to show her, hey, I like you. But I got a little nervous. I always get a little nervous when I'm going to go hug someone. There's just like this squeamish thing in my belly that they're going to leave me hanging. That like, if it's a high five, it's okay because you could like give yourself a high five or you could like, like scratch your head. But with a hug, you're like this. And then what do you do? I mean, there's no coming back from that. Maybe you do the robot. I don't know. But you are, you're stuck. And so I have that fear of like, what if? And so instead of going up to her and giving her a hug, my brilliant plan was to hug everyone that was in the room. I don't know why I went so drastic with it, but I literally would go like, oh, hey, I just met you. Hug. Oh, hey, you're too tall. Hug. And then I'd eventually go to Rachel and I'd hug her and I'd leave. And I'm like, wow, that was smooth. Uh, No one even knows that I have a big crush on Rachel. Again, why? Why would I not care about that? But I remember when we started officially dating, she was like, you're really a huggy person. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, then why did you hug everyone every time we were together? And I was like, oh, geez. Okay, well, that wasn't maybe a good move. Because honestly, that's not part of my nature. It doesn't make me super comfortable. I think I take after my dad a lot, which my dad is Italian, but not Italian in the way of the hugs and the kisses and stuff. Italian in the way of the talking with our hands and our feet and stuff. But my dad's dad is 100% Italian. His mom was 100% Russian. And so they made my dad, who is part Italian in the looks and the hands, but part Russian in the reserved. Please don't touch me. I learned this from my uncle Mike. He told me one story that whenever my aunts on, or my, my dad's aunts on the Italian side of the family would come and visit, my dad would go and hide in a closet because he knew that as soon as the ants found him, that they were going to be pinching his cheeks and giving him hugs and giving him kisses. So he was just trying to hide and, and keep that away as long as possible. So I've inherited a little bit of that from him. However, over the last couple of years, I feel like I've been uh, maybe adapting, maybe embracing, if that's not too on the nose, of physical touch. A good hug after a worship service or a high five, a handshake or a pound. I've been enjoying it. And I think I've been enjoying it for two reasons. The first one is I believe wholeheartedly that my kids have made me soft. I have these two wonderful boys that I love, love hugging and kissing. Now, I remember it was like, Ezra was three months old or four months old, and my wife said something like, you've never kissed our son. And I was like, yeah, dads don't do that, okay? Because I don't remember every time getting a kiss from my dad or a hug. And my wife's like, go kiss our baby. I was like, okay, fine. Um, And now I come home, and I'm like, oh, where's my kisses or where are my hugs? I love embracing my kids. And I think the second reason I enjoy it is because of the, the shutdown year of 2020. And I know when everyone mentions 2020, in my heart, there's something that goes, oh, just shut up about 2020. Like, let's forget that it existed, but it did exist. And during that time, I learned something important, and it's this. Appropriate physical touch makes us feel connected and cared for. Appropriate physical touch makes us feel connected and cared for. And so during those months, I missed that. I missed giving people hugs and and handshakes and high fives. I didn't know that was something I'd miss. At first, I was like, oh, nice. No one's going to give me a hug. And then I was like, oh, man, no one's going to give me a hug for a while. And I started to realize that there is a connection that happens 
when you have appropriate physical touch. And I should have known that. Whenever Ezra was born, the nurses in the hospital said, hey, it's really important that right now we give your mom, Ezra's mom and Ezra a time of skin-to-skin connection. I'd never heard of that before, but it's what it sounds like. Together, skin-to-skin, the mother and the, the son or the, the child would go skin-to-skin, and it just fosters this relationship through physical touch. And I think it even happens without only skin-to-skin, because whenever they passed me Ezra, and I had like the, the beautiful job of the handoff to the mom, I, um, I got to look at him, and it was just amazing. I mean, I loved him since we knew that Rachel was pregnant, but there was this point where I just looked in his eyes, and he looked at me, and it was probably the only moment he wasn't crying in the first, like, three months. I, uh, I just was so happy. It was like there's a second heart that just appeared and was beating for my kids. And I just well, was so thankful to be able to just be holding him and having that connection. And then I got to pass him off. And there's this, that truth that, I, again, I should have known, but connection and care comes from that appropriate physical touch. And now I've mentioned appropriate physical touch a couple times, so I need to tell you something before we continue on. And I'm only going to spend a moment on this, but something I feel I need to say. There is a difference between appropriate physical touch, which is what we're talking about today, and from here on I probably won't use the appropriate because we know that's what we're talking about, and there's a difference between that and inappropriate physical touch, which is not what we're talking about today, which is not what God calls us to do. And if you are here today and that is something that has happened in your life, I want you to know a couple things. The first thing is I'm very sorry. Second thing is that was not God's desire and plan for your life. The third thing is that it is not your fault. And the fourth thing is if you want to talk to someone today, someone's available for you. Whether it's it's me or any of the other pastors, we'd love to talk to you. If it's not today, you can still call the church office or email us anytime you want. You can pray after service. There'll be people up here praying We'd love to have a Stephen minister walk through this process of healing with you. Know that Jesus loves you, created you, wants you to feel this appropriate physical touch that brings about healing and not hurt. And appropriate physical touch does bring about healing. It's why Jesus touched people while he was on this earth. He wanted to give us this example that connection and care happened when we do it the right way. And Jesus, his disciple Matthew, actually wrote about this. And Matthew's a cool character. He's a cool person that that was a tax collector, that was someone that was considered kind of an outcast of society, someone that was not very good, one of the less thens that was stealing from people. But Jesus still called Matthew to follow him. And Matthew ended up writing all about Jesus. And he talked about this story where Jesus touched some children. I thought it was appropriate today when we have the New Life kids with us. And Matthew, it's recorded, One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. First of all, I think this is a great move by the parents. The parents heard that there might be a savior, that Jesus was maybe the son of God, who he was. But at the time, they might have just been hearing these rumors about it. And they decided, you know what? This is worth it. So they went and they got their kids in audience with Jesus. They brought their kids to be blessed and prayed for by Jesus. And we can take some notes from that. 
We might have kids in here, and if you don't, maybe you have a niece or a nephew or a grandkid, or you're part of New Life, which we have a ton of kids, and the New Life kids in that normally are in the galaxy. So we have a ton of kids that are around us that we can bring to Jesus, whether it's physically bringing them to church or whether it's praying to Jesus and saying, Jesus, please touch the lives of the little ones in my life. Because although Jesus is not in the flesh with us, he still touches lives today. And it's not getting any easier to navigate through this world. And so because that's true, we need Jesus to love and to guide and to grant wisdom to those little ones in our lives. I mean, we need that too. So let's spend time praying for those little ones in our lives, in our spheres of influence. I love that Jesus did this and he went and he prayed for them. But the weirdest part of that story is the disciples. Like, why did the disciples stand and, and say, hey, we don't want you guys to be touching Jesus? I don't know. I, I feel like maybe they thought there was something more important for Jesus to do. Maybe they thought, okay, well, Jesus has to go and do some miracles, or maybe this is Jesus' rest time. I don't know. But they were trying to stop it from happening. And I love that Jesus stands in defense of the kids, that he stands up and says, no, 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 let them come to me. And I love picturing Jesus standing in defense of my children and of me and of us. And it's cool because as we read God's word, he does do that. He does stand in defense of us. In fact, know this. Jesus stands in defense of us who are God's children. And if we believe in Jesus as Lord, which means owner, and Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, we are called children of God. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Galatian church. And if you were here over the summer, it's called Freedom and Fruit. We did this series about it. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go on the app or the website, check that series out. We really dive deep and explore what this letter was all about. But in that letter, Paul said this, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. God calls us his children too. And what does he do to the children in the story? He touched their lives and he blessed them. And he also saw them. He didn't see who they were going to be. He didn't say, hey, bring them back when they're old enough to contribute to society. Bring them back when they're old enough to talk to me and understand the magnitude of my magnificence. He said, no, I want to touch and bless them today. And he sees us as we are right now. And this leads us to our take-home point. It's the one point that the message is all about that I hope that and I pray that we live it out in the week and really our lives ahead. And it's this, Jesus sees and loves you as you are. Jesus sees and loves you as you are. This doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't want to refine and mold us to look more like Jesus, but it does mean that Jesus isn't waiting until you look like Jesus in order to love you. Jesus loves you right now where you're at, with everything in your past, everything that you've done, everything in your mind right now in your heart, Jesus loves you. If you're in here right now and you're saying, well, Alex, you don't know. You don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through or the sins that I've, I've committed or the things that I struggle with. Jesus couldn't possibly love me. I need to tell you in love that you're wrong, that Jesus does love you. He came and died on the cross for you before you were born so that when we lived this life, we could come to know him as Lord and Savior. That's who our Jesus is. And he showed it time after time in his word. 
There's stories about him loving those who the society wouldn't generally love. And I'd love to point you to another story from the book of Matthew. But before we read it, would you please imagine with me for a moment that we're in biblical times? Would you imagine that you're walking on the same sand that Jesus walked on? That you and I are right there right now, that we can look down and we see, wow, some robes and some sandals. We can feel the heat from the sun and the, the heat coming off of the sand. We can breathe in and smell the Sea of Galilee and is that camels walking past us and <clears throat> like the dust as people kick it off as they walk in front of us, rude. And we, we notice that there's this grouping of people and they're all going towards one location. And we think, maybe they're going to see Jesus. You see, we've been hearing about Jesus a lot lately. There's all these stories going around that he's healing people like the blind and the sick, that he's talking about God and how you can get into a relationship with God, which is Sounds crazy. And he's also talking about how he's doing these miracles, turning water into wine, and people are sharing all these stories about this Jesus. He sounds miraculous. But not only is this great religious leader, someone that's going around and doing cool things, but he's also loving the outcasts, the undesirables, the less thans. He's loving tax collectors, and he even has fishermen as his disciples. Like, not the best of the best, not the people that graduated from rabbi school with high honors, but the people that failed out and went to go fish, he asked them to follow him. And there's even a rumor going around that he might, just might, even though he's a holy religious leader, he might go into the presence of a leper, which is pretty cool. Because no one wants to go into the presence of a leper. You see, a leper is someone with leprosy, which is disease that affects the whole body, affects your skin, and and your fingers will fall off, and your skin starts to deteriorate, and there's no cure for it. And the reason why people don't want to go in their presence is because they believe if you touch a leper, you'll get leprosy as well. And if you come in contact with a leper, society states, the law states, that you have to be banished from society for a certain amount of time. You have to go isolate it and alone before you can come back. So no one really in their right minds will go near a leper. And we know this because you and I are lepers. One day we woke up and it was like a normal day, but then we looked down and something was different. And we have leprosy. And it's just the worst. As we're walking around and people see us coming so that they don't become unclean by touching us, they look at us and they point and they yell, leper, leper, leper. And then they run away. And then the law even states, if that wasn't worse enough, it states that we have to go around and declare that we're unclean. We literally have to walk around and say, unclean, unclean, as if it wasn't bad enough that our disease was front and center for everyone to see, that our flaws and, and all the things that are bad about us are easily visible to our neighbors, we have to shout about it. And this is why it's so exciting that Jesus might be willing to be near a leper because that means he might be willing to heal a leper. And I know what you're thinking. There isn't any way that a religious leader would touch a leper because then he would be unclean. However, this is Jesus we're talking about, walking on water, Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, 
he would heal us from afar. Maybe he would see us and heal us even if he didn't have to touch us. And if that is a possibility, we gotta try it. So you and I, what we decide to do is we start walking and walking and walking and we finally see this crowd and there's like a thousand of them and they're going around this one person who's ascending a mountain and it has to be Jesus. We look at Jesus and he's on top of this mountain and he's speaking to people around him and there's something different about him. Immediately we see it. It's like a holiness. There's this glory that's shining on his face. There's power in his words and kindness in his eyes. He is different. He's talking about these radical things like loving your enemy and giving your money away to the less fortunate and loving people as you want to be loved. And then he's done. And he starts walking down this mountain and you know that this is your shot This is your chance. If you're going to go and ask for healing, you're going to do it now. And sure, it's going to be scary because you're going to have to break through a crowd of people who are going to be gasping and staring and pointing and yelling. But again, if he can heal us, it's worth it. And so you, because you're brave, you get up and you run through the line and you get to Jesus. And when you see him, the first thing that blurts out of your mouth is, can you heal me? Or I know you can heal me. Please heal me. And in that moment, it's like everything freezes. People are looking and they're wondering, what is Jesus going to do? They think about edging back. Some of them even start pointing because they don't know what to do. And the law says, should they yell leper? But Jesus, as you notice, is looking at you. Like not looking through you or down on you, but looking at you. And he sees something familiar. The imprints of the creator are on you. He sees a resemblance to his father who made you in his image. And it's like he sees past the disease into your heart. And he responds by reaching out his hand to touch you. And in this moment, you don't know what to do. I mean, you haven't been touched in who knows how long. And so he goes and he touches and he says, I am willing, be healed. And it's like as he breathes those words out immediately, instantly, you are healed. Everything is gone. You look down and it's like you're brand new, like it never happened before, like you have a brand new shot at life because you're healed completely and you're able to take the second chance that God's given you and live a brand new existence. Matthew records it this way. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. I love that, that he says, you can heal me. He doesn't say, can you heal me? He says, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Now that we're back to reality and no longer the hypothetical lepers, we can look at that story and say there's some relatable points in there, that we can relate with those lepers because although we don't have leprosy today, that we still have a disease that we fight with and that disease is sin. And there's still the truth that we are broken people living in a fallen world and that we need healing and we need the touch of Jesus on our lives. Know this, Jesus touched the leper amidst his sickness and he wants to do the same for us too because Jesus sees you. He sees your heart. He doesn't only see the mistakes and the flaws and the failures. 
He sees you as God has created you to be. He sees the potential to to be who God has designed you to be. He sees the creator in you. But sometimes that's hard for us to see. I know for me it is. I know for me some days I look in the mirror and I can't see the good stuff. I only see the bad stuff. I look in there and I'm reminded of the sins that I've committed over and over. And then I say, okay, that's the last time I know better. And then I do it again. I see the flaws. I see the mistakes. I hear in my brain those two criticisms that someone said. Sure, they might have said a couple of nice things as well, but those two criticisms just reverberate because there's always this fear that other people are going to see me the way that I see me as the, the one that isn't perfect enough. And lately that's been on my mind, and as it's been, I've been singing this song that we used to sing at the youth ministry here at New Life. It's called Brokenness Aside, and it's written by All Sons and Daughters in the Chorus, starts like this. I am a sinner. If it's not one thing, it's another. Caught up in words, tangled in lies. And if I'm not careful, I'll only sing that line and I'll be done. But thankfully, there's more to the song. The chorus continues, but you, you are a savior and you take brokenness aside and make it beautiful. Beautiful. There's more to our stories than the brokenness. There's more to our stories than our past where we have messed up. There's more to our stories because we have a God that desires to heal you and me, that wants us to come to him like that leper and say, hey, I know I'm broken. Please heal me of whatever it is that I'm holding back from you. Please heal me. And he wants to heal us because he sees us. He sees us differently than the world sees us. The world looks at the exterior, God looks at the heart. And it's cool because as we go through God's word time after time, we see that God uses people that maybe the world wouldn't use in big situations. Take Timothy, for example. Timothy's a young man that God calls to be a pastor. And the apostle Paul writes this to him. He says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Although he was young, God was prepared to use him in a big way. And what Paul is saying is that no matter what box the world puts you in, God can still use you to do big things. And hear this today for you. No matter what station you're in, what your age is, or what you've done in your past, You've been created by God for a purpose. No matter what you think about yourself, God wants to use you to fulfill his mighty purpose on this earth of bringing his kingdom here to tell people about the saving and loving knowledge about Jesus. God wants to touch your life right now and he wants to heal you of whatever you're holding back and then he wants to use you to further his kingdom. And we do that by living open-handedly. Throughout these four weeks, there's been two things that have been a through line through every single message, and they're this. Understanding that time, talent, treasure, and touch are blessings God's given us is the first one. And the second one is understanding that giving our time, talent, treasure, and touch to others is a blessing. So it's blessed, we are blessed when we receive of these things from God, time, talent, treasure, and touch, but it's also a blessing to give them out. And we know this, 
There's points where we've talked in this series about how our minds sometimes trick us to thinking that if we hoard all of our things, our time, everything that we have, we're going to be happy. But we just know that's not true. We know that it's blessed to give. In fact, when we invest our times in the people that are hurting, they are blessed and we are blessed as well. When we invest our talents, whether they be kindness or music or anything else, into serving other people, they are blessed and we are blessed as well. When we invest our finances, our money, and whatever it is, we just recently sent money out to Myanmar and we got a picture back from Chung Nung, the guy that runs an orphanage for 200 kids. You see, what was happening was people have been going around looting, breaking into places, stealing stuff because of the civil war going on in Myanmar, and they said that they needed some help setting up some security. And so we said, all right, we're going to help you. And it was a blessing to give that, to see the joy in their face, and it was a blessing for them to receive it. And the same is true with touch. It's a blessing to give a hug to someone who is in need for both parties, especially when it's done as God has asked us to do. So that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to focus on touching the lives of other people through the love of Jesus. It's practical. It's something that you and I could do right now today and we could do in the week ahead. We could do it through this next step, which says, I will touch someone's life this week through the love of Jesus. And because I like practical next steps, what we're going to do is we're going to practice it right now. Before... The last year and a half, we always had this time at New Life called a greeting moment where we would stand up and we'd say hi to people around us and we're going to bring it back today. I'm going to encourage you to stand up in a moment. There's going to be a minute countdown and I'm going to encourage you to literally go and talk to people around you. I'm going to encourage you if someone wants to receive a handshake or a high five or a hug to do that and if not, that's okay. Think of my dad. Just imagine my dad being like, no, no. <laughs> Okay, none of that. Where's the closet at? Um, and, and, but, so in, in order to not make it weird, why don't we start by doing something a little goofy? Look at someone around you when we stand up and say, or as we, we go around and say your name and say your favorite animal. So for instance, I would look at someone and say, hi, my name is Alex and my favorite animal is the peregrine falcon. And if you don't have a favorite animal, then just use mine because it's the best. And so what we're going to do is literally, we're going to put that clock up right now if you want to, and then we're going to touch the lives of those around us for a minute, and then we'll be back to conclude our service. All right, so here it is. Would you please stand and greet those around you? Tim? No, you're not Would you please have a seat once more? Would you please come on back and have a seat? And this week ahead, let us keep that energy up. 
Let's, let's treat people the way that Jesus treats people. Let's see people the way that God sees people. Let's love people the way that God loves us, the way that he sees us. Because after all, it's different. God sees us differently than anyone else. And actually in the book of 1 Samuel, it's recorded that God says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is when Samuel went to go pick the next king. He saw all these brothers. He started with like the tallest, most handsome, oldest brother. And God kept saying, not him, not him, not him. Finally went to the youngest brother, David, who God would call to be king. And God was making this point that he looks at the heart. So let's do the same thing with our neighbors, with our friends, with our coworkers, with our family members. We have people in our lives right now that feel like those lepers, that feel outcasted, that feel undesirable, that feel like they're less than. We have a job this week to show them the love of Jesus and let them know that Jesus loves them where they're at right now. And he wants to meet them and heal them of what's going on. Jesus showed us the way when he lived on this earth. He came and he died for you and me while we were still sinners and then rose again, defeating sin and death. If you're in here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I wanna tell you that today Jesus wants to touch and heal your life. Here at New Life, we say it's as simple as A, B, C. A meaning admit, we admit that we're sinners, that we're not perfect, that we need a Savior. B, we believe in God as the one true God and Jesus as the Son of God who came to this earth for you and me to die and to rise again. And then see, we confess. We confess our needs for our Lord, a master who we can reflect and show other people the light of Jesus, just like the moon reflects the sun. And we also confess our sins to him for forgiveness. So after this song, we are gonna come together and we are gonna pray. And we're gonna ask God to come into our lives. And so if you've never done that before, I would encourage you to take that serious and take that step. Are you feeling like a leper, unwanted? unloved by the world, you need to know that Jesus wants you. Jesus loves you very much. And if you would like to let Jesus touch your life, then I ask you to pray with me right now to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner, that there are things in my life that I'm not proud of, Lord, and I need you to make me aware of those things help me stop doing those things, Lord. And I believe that Jesus is your son, that he came to this earth and that he died his death on the cross for my sins. And I believe that I need him to save me from my sins. And I confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord and savior of my life. And Lord, I just pray that you will come into my life and that you will help me become more like you and live the life that you've meant for me from the time I was born, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus' name.